0: All right, welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And you know those guests that just show up and you're like already just like digging it. You're like conversations are flowing. Well, today I have Shamal Kiro, And you, after this conversation, are going to want to be following this gal. We're going to talk about her new podcast. We're going to talk about the two decades that she has had in therapy and working with people. And I gotta tell you, the takeaways that you're gonna get from this are going to be so significant. So you wanna hang out, get started, and let's get into this conversation. You're listening to The Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories revealing how you, too, can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Hello, Shamala.
1: So excited hello, you're here. Oh, hello, Hillary. So excited to be here. What a lovely intro. Thank you for that.
0: Well, and I have to say, for those that are only listening on audio, it is a shame because this gal is gorgeous. Absolutely. You said it's Sri Lankan.
1: Mhm. Sri Lankan. Okay. Yeah, that's my background. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: oh, okay. Lucky, lucky you. Because not only are you brilliant, you're beautiful. So those that are not uh, watching this on YouTube or some of the other areas, you're missing out. You really are. You're so so sweet. Thank you. All right. So this is where I really love to allow not only my audience, but your audience to see that vulnerability of a relaunch, of a significant relaunch in your life where it was impactful. And so mm-hmm. many of us on social, yeah, we share a little teeny bit during that time or we share afterwards, like, oh yeah, this happened and oh yeah, I've been through that, but we we don't really hear the details. And so I like to allow my guests to share the details, talk about the silver linings because yes, there are always silver linings to everything. And we've talked about even the worst of the worst, there are those silver linings. So I'd like to pass it over to you. Tell us, uh, for those that don't know you, tell us about you, and then let's talk about your relaunch.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me start. I always like to kind of give the context, the backstory, the background, because, you know, for me, as someone who's practiced therapy for so many years, I'm I'm so fascinated with people's backstories. Like, how did you get to where you are? And so I always like to start there. Um, and so for me, I practiced as a psychotherapist for uh, close to two decades. And as I was, you know, in the field and I was studying, I did my master's in counseling. And then I went on to do a doctoral degree specifically in couple and family therapy. I became really, really interested in understanding how we uh, interact, how we navigate our relationships and how our personal identity actually intersects with our relational identity and sort of how do we show up? How do we kind of move through the world and how do we understand ourselves? I was like, deeply fascinated by that particular segment of therapy. So I ended up specializing in that area. I got licensed in that area and I practiced for almost two incredible, incredible decades.
0: So this is going to be so good because we talk a lot about identity, personal identity, but we're going to today be discussing it in relationships as well. God, this is going to be good.
1: And this is a big, I'm glad you brought up the idea of identity because I think this was a big piece of it, right? So I'm, you know, started practicing in um my mi- early to mid-20s is when I started practicing. I'm in my mid-40s now as we have this conversation. And I got married and I became a mom after I was already practicing. So I was already like doing the thing, you know, knew the textbook, knew the clinical terms, like knew all of those things. And then I got married and became a mom, probably within a six month period. Like we got pregnant with my daughter very, very quickly after getting married. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. So every, I I always refer to this time in my life as like, this was the the moment that literally it felt like the rug got pulled out Mm -hmm. from underneath me because there were so many changes and I got married at 31, had my daughter at 32, right? So in some ways, you know, I was kind of, I think, I think of myself as a bit of a stubborn person, eldest in my family, you know, a little bit controlling, like definitely a very ambitious go-getter, like this is the personality, right? Really strong personality. And so navigating life with another very, my husband also has a very, very strong personality was really hard. It was really, really challenging for me to figure out how do I show up as my best self in this partnered relationship? How long were you dating
0: before you got engaged and got married?
1: That's a great question because I realized as I was telling my story, I didn't share that detail and it's an important detail. We met and got married within one year, Mm -hmm. like one year. We literally like first date to wedding date was one year, almost to the day, right? So it was, you know, it was a huge transition for for me, for him, for sure. And then enter motherhood, which when we talk about identity, that rocked my world, probably like nothing else ever has, right? And So, so- what's interesting about
0: this is that you had, for 30 years, you built up your identity, you were all about your career, and then all of a sudden you meet the man, mm-hmm. and I thought I was fast. I met, you know, yep. I met Eric and one year later we got engaged. And then one year after that, we got married, yep. but you yep. did it all within a year. Yeah, cut and that time in half. Then, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you said, you know, you take charge. You're just like, well, I'm going, I'm doing let's this go. thing. And, and then let's have a baby. And mm-hmm. then like, let's, yep. so your identity went from this concept of like, I'm this, you know, psychotherapist, I'm super successful. And then I'm now a wife. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a mother mm-hmm. and it all happened in less than, it sounds like two years. It
1: just was that's, like, right. that's right. That's right. Okay. And interestingly enough, so most psychotherapists, um, we can practice with a master's level degree. So doing the doctorate was just something I really wanted to do. I didn't have to do it to become like tell us a little bit about psychotherapy. What what
0: very mm-hmm. briefly, for those that mm-hmm. don't know what that mm-hmm. is, because it mm-hmm. does sound, you know, like yikes. Whoa, mm-hmm. she's like, what is that? So what like, is she doing? Your, yeah. What is Yeah? She so doing?
1: it's in the field of mental health, and there's all sorts of different designations: psychology, social work, psychotherapy, couple and family therapy. I have the designation of psychotherapy and couple and family therapy. Psychotherapy is specifically looking at the individual and treating them based on their therapeutic clinical goals. So it could be reducing anxiety, reducing feelings of depression, managing stress, building confidence. There's such a, there's such a huge gamut within the field of psychotherapy. And, but what I wanted people to hear, yeah, was that you did, you, you,
0: Absolutely positioned this so well for me because here you are, this successful psychotherapy, and now you're having, uh, you know, you have a husband, you have a baby, and this is where we're going with this relaunch Mm -hmm. that you have all the tools That's right. You have all the tools because this is what what you've been taught. This is what you do with others. And then what what happens?
1: Well, let me tell you what happens. (laughs) Let me tell you. So Mm -hmm. I'm graduating from my doctoral degree. I'm in my gown and I'm two and a half months pregnant with my daughter. And the gown, of course, I'm a tiny, I'm four foot nine. So I'm tiny, little, itty so bitty bitty I'm a little Little this tiny thing. And so, you know, pregnant with my daughter, belly pops, like almost immediately. Cause I had like nowhere to go on my four foot nine frame. And so I'm, I'm graduating, not realizing I'm like, I've made it. I've got a doctorate. Like how many people have a doctorate in couple and family therapy? I have this thing wrapped up in a Oh, I am gonna be so ready for this baby. I'm gonna be so ready for motherhood. I'm just gonna rock this, you know. Next, I know phase exactly of life. what to do to have this awesome kid. Yeah. I, I've got everything I you need to have an awesome marriage. I mean, you got it. Totally, mm-hmm. right? Like I've got it absolutely covered. And of course, lo and behold, literally the hardest, hardest, hardest time in my life was becoming a mom, like right after, right after I became a mom and probably for that nine month period afterwards, it was like the second pregnancy or something, right? It was like that nine month period after becoming a mom, I had such a hard time, Hillary, like, and it wasn't just- This is giving everyone
0: out there. This is like, we're all taking a deep breath saying, hallelujah. You know, if, if, if she had a hard time, then I'm okay. <laughs> oh man. I,
1: oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, it was such a hard time. And I have to say, I, I want to give this caveat. Like when you're training to be in the mental health field, in my master's degree, I was required to do one year of my own therapy. Sit on the other side. In my doctoral degree, I was required to do another, another year. And so, of course, as a good student, check the boxes, did the year. Good, good, all done, right? Like I've met the requirements, I've done my own therapy. I'm good. I can honestly say during both of those years of therapy that I was required to do as part of my training, I was never fully engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. That's like confession number one here, right? Like mm-hmm. I was never fully, cause I was like, I don't really need this. Like I'm, I'm fine. I got it together, right? I'm this high performing, ambitious driven woman. I got this
0: that's such a great point you just made a lot of times you know when we're doing the coaching certifications we're doing all this you have to use yourself you know with my I have a degree in psychology same thing so many classes we had to you know analyze ourselves hey I'm okay I'm okay I'm doing just fine and we just you get through the class you get through the certificate you get through all of that and then you wake up and you're like holy crap I'm really not I'm
1: not okay (laughs) And that was it. Right. It was, it wasn't until I became a mom. I remember so distinctly, it was at the nine month mark. I was on my maternity leave. Um, she, my daughter was nine months old and I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm, I'm not okay. Like, I'm not okay. This is not okay. I'm supposed to, in Canada, we have a year maternity leave. So I had a year off of practice to be at home with my daughter. And I was at the nine month mark. I knew I was in like that final leg of like, I need to return to work. I need to return to practice and I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I picked up the phone and phoned a therapist to get support for myself. And I actually needed it. And how did that,
0: how did that make you feel that call where you're like, I'm not okay.
1: Oh God, it was awful. It was, and I couldn't get out of my own damn head about the whole thing. And I remember sitting, I remember so vividly, I remember sitting in her office and there was this battle going on inside of my head. I was like, why are you here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Right? You don't need to be here. Like, just go home and read some more books. Right, like you've got all the same totally. books on yeah. your bookshelf mm. as this therapist has on her bookshelf. Like, just just go home and read them. Like, you you don't need to be here. Then there was the like, oh god, what if one of my clients sees this therapist or somebody I know sees this therapist and I see them in the waiting? Like, oh god, I totally then, get right? that. That is so yes, yes. But and what it you're was,
0: saying is like even a therapist needs a therapist, just like a coach. Yes, a coach.
1: Yes, right? and sometimes
0: yes. that concept is like wait a second, I'm mm-hmm. coaching, I'm coaching someone who's, you know, doing like a thousand times better than you coach, but you're mm-hmm. going to coach me on da, da, da. It's this crazy thing that happens in our brains, but yes, yes. And then there's that shame of like, what if, what if somebody what if? sees me Right. Or what if they know that, you know, well, she needs help. So is she, she going to be yeah. able to help me? Right. Uh, right. So I'm sure this is hitting it. Like this is, this is hitting that point in everybody's like, you know, chest right now. That's like, Oh, thank goodness. Yes. You're hearing it right now. Everybody needs help to get through things in life. Everybody. Absolutely. Everybody.
1: It just, Absolutely. And, 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 it, and it's okay. Right. Oh, right. This is great. That was like my turning point. And so, you know, that that's for me what began a process because it was a process, right? It was a long process that went on for years of surrender. Like that was the beginning of my process of surrender of, oh my gosh, I actually need support. I actually need help. It was my own process of identifying and discovering the patterns in my own life that I vowed I would not carry forward. I don't know if you've ever done this, right? Like you're, you're growing up. Maybe oh, it's yeah. like during those teenage years mm. or your early twenties. And you're like, I am never going to do that. Like my mom did, or I am never, <laughs> right? Like I'm never going to do that. Like my parents did or totally. I'm never, like, I'm just never going to do whatever and it then is. Fast forward,
0: like- Shamalette, you end up, yeah, you end up doing and it.
1: And you're there and you're doing it and you're
0: like, shit how, like how, how'd this happen? How and this you know, that, happen? you know, that talking head song is going through my head, you know, and the you know, it, it, this isn't my life. This isn't my life. This is, I mean, I'm like, Oh, truly. and you end up saying those comments where you're yeah. like, I didn't just say that.
1: I didn't just, and say it that. actually,
0: you hear your voice and you hear your, your mom's voice or your dad. You're like, Oh yeah. my God, I just, the, right. I just did it. I just did.
1: Right. So that, that's for me like that, there, you know, we, I think we all have these milestone, these markers, these like moments of the road, relaunches, relaunches. Let's, relaunches. Yeah. we all yeah. have these moments and yeah. I think we have several of them, right? If we oh, are oh, multiple, yeah. You know, the good, like a if good we're,
0: relaunches, the mega relaunches, the mini
1: relaunches.
0: Absolutely. Good and bad. Yeah.
1: And I think if you're committed to leaning in, doing the work, being self-aware, living life. If, you, like, if that's the kind of life you're committed to, then please know you're going to come to those forks in the road, those relaunches again and again and again and again. And that is all part of the, the process. I call it progress. I love it. It's progress. Yeah. It I tr- mean, if you are literally getting, getting,
0: you kind of, I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned there's a few things I'm going through right now. And I had a large group call last night where- I was laying these out and everyone's like, oh my gosh. And it's not that I tell people all of this so that they're like giving me sympathy or I wanna let them know that you will get through it. Mm. And when you lean into it and you can detach, right? That whole detachment from your attachment to like the, oh my God, this is all too much. This is Mm. like, why is this happening to me? Instead flip that, this is happening for me. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, so this is another relaunch. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So so you end up really, I mean, this this changes you, changes you forever. Transforms. Yeah. Transitions to transformations. And you are now transformed. And I I definitely want to get into the juicy stuff about, you know, your your podcast is Confessions of a Therapist. I need to have some confessions from the relationship side, like what people are going through right now, what we should be doing, because I'm always fascinated with, you know, going from where I am to that much better because we all want better relationships, right? Mm -hmm. But let's keep going with this transition to transformation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So like I said, it was, it was quite the process, right? And interestingly enough, so, you know, return to work, still seeing my therapist, return from mat leave. Um, my daughter's, you know, a year now, now she's a year and a half. I land this gig as a media expert on a television show, right? So I land a gig as a, as a, as a media expert. I sit on a panel of all men. I was the only female on that expert panel. And I do, and I end up doing that for a decade and the next decade. So now I've got all these cameras and I'm mic'd, and I'm feeling imposter syndrome, like huge. (laughs) Like, why the hell am I doing? Why did I say yes? Like every single season, I'm like, why the hell did I say yes? What am I doing here? They're going to figure out I don't belong here. And so I think all of these. Another, another aha right there for those listening,
0: because again, doctorate, she's got it all. And she's sitting there saying, why am I here?
1: Yeah. Convinced so that they had made a matter. Mistake. Yeah.
0: It yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't we matter. We all have that too. We all have some form of like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not good mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks so, for being so honest here. I love this. So oh great. yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, it was interesting. Is So there are these, I believe in our lives, there are these processes that can happen parallel to one another. And if we pay really close attention, there is often a common thread that pulls through those parallel processes. And so for me, some of those parallel processes that were happening in my own life was, you know, navigating marriage and motherhood, navigating I had launched my private I had moved out of nonprofit, launched a private practice, you know, media work on TV, And interestingly enough, what I kept seeing in my practice again and again and again, Hillary was woman after woman after woman that had it all like on the outside. My clients were ambitious, driven, smart CEOs, entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, right? Like high performing women and the common thread that pulled through all of their narratives that was also pulling through my own narrative was I don't know how to show up in my personal life. I am killing it at work. I am like, I feel so confident and so competent. And so all of the things at work, but Shamala, when I'm trying to have a difficult conversation with my partner or when I'm trying to set a boundary with my mother, or when I even think about disappointing my sibling, I shrink.
0: I shrink. Yeah, that's, uh, mm, I know that, I hey, I've had many of those thoughts, right? The outside does not reflect what's going on on the inside. And that whole concept around, you know, yeah, you can be killing it at the office and in your business, but that the relationships, you can't show up how you show up at your business sometimes because Mm -hmm. it alienates it. It separates you and that gets into you know the fear of of success and being like oh I'm going to somehow you know not fit into my family anymore so and with your loved one yeah so so how do you what what do you suggest when somebody comes to you and they're they're feeling all these things and you finally get this out what do you how do you even start mm-hmm.
1: yeah so the first place that I start with all of my clients is we really look at what are the relationship templates that were handed to you? What are the, we all have relationship templates that were literally handed to, we didn't ask for them. We didn't sign up for them. We didn't evaluate them, right? We had no say in these relationship templates. They were handed to us right? And often they were handed to us on a very subconscious level. So we're not even aware, right? That we've been programmed. Think of it like, code, like coding, right? Like we were programmed with these particular relationship templates. This is how you have a difficult conversation. These are the emotions that are okay to express. This is all the stuff you should feel ashamed about. These are the things you never talk about. These are all the relationship templates that have been downloaded to each That's and That's so one of good. Us. I've never heard it like that. So you're taking my
0: bugs to the next level in terms of relationship templates. I think that is what, you know, belief underground surfacing these limiting beliefs and you're saying we come in and when we're young, we're, Mm -hmm. you know, basically, you know, we, we have our template of like, Hey, this is how you, this is how you communicate with Mm -hmm. a man. This is how you communicate with others. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Yes, absolutely.
1: What a great way that you, you've put this into words. I love it. Thank you. And it, it is a template because it takes two to tango. It always takes two to tango right? And the reason that's so important and that's so relevant, Hillary, is because when I made that discovery that, wait a minute, this is a template that's made up of at least two people and I'm one of those two people. So what that means is that I have a part to play in every single relationship dynamic in my life, Right. Mm, and, if I have a part, and what's your responsibility? I right, love this. Yes. Right. So, if I have mm. a part to play, guess what's really amazing, amazing news is that regardless of how problematic, toxic, difficult, challenging a relationship is, I'm also empowered. Like, I'm also able to make a change in that relationship template, in that dynamic, in that dance. I can change the steps of that dance just by changing my part in it. Mm, So what would be one way to change your part? Love it. So there's two pieces. There's two pillars of care for me. There's three pillars of care that I use with my clients, but two pillars of care that are absolutely foundational. The first one is mindset. Right. So the first way that we change, and it is the foundation of everything I do. I always say to my clients, like nobody passes go until we do the mindset work. Right. And so mindset for me is really understanding what your cognitive structures are. What are those limiting beliefs? What are those toxic thinking patterns that you have? We all have them. So it's understanding what those are and then retraining our brain. We can retrain, we can reprogram, we can rewire our thinking. What are
0: some, what are like a couple of the top limiting beliefs that Mm -hmm. you're seeing?
1: Mm -hmm. So limiting beliefs that I see primarily with a lot of women is I am not good enough, Mm -hmm. right? Um, this is not a limiting belief, but it's a cognitive structure that a lot of women carry. If he does X, Y, and Z, that means he doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. And that it's is just so true. not true. <laughs> right? Like, the, the, like that mm. thought is just not true. But it's, it's, it's a very common cognitive structure that has a pretty significant impact on how we show up in our relationships. Right.
0: Because what you're doing is in that scenario, you're assuming you know what the other person is thinking about the situation.
1: And you've probably never said anything about it. You've internalized all of that and you are behaving out of that reality. God, that's good. So mindset for me is a first piece is that awareness, that ability to really get concrete in terms of what those traps are, what those limiting beliefs are, and then really recognizing that there is a very strategic way that we can reprogram and retrain and rewire our brains. And once we've done that, then we are so beautifully positioned to reprogram and retrain our communication style. Mm. This for me is like, If there was one thing I could teach and coach all day, Hillary, it would be communication styles. But I always have to start with the mindset. Like I can't teach communication until we get the mindset piece dialed in. But communication styles is really understanding that most of us operate out of uh, problematic or toxic communication styles. So either the passive style of communication where we don't share what we think, feel, need, or desire the aggressive. So that's the
0: one that, you know, the, the passive is, would that be the one that is, uh, yeah, I don't need to talk about it. You just close up. You just, you know, I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm not
1: going to rock the boat. It's better if I don't say anything like fear of conflict avoidance. That's the, it's too much work to even bring this up. It's not going to go there. There's no point. It's not going to make a difference. Right. Like how many times, right. Have we said that? And then the aggressive style of communication is the aggressive style of communication um, is not necessarily loud and robust and yelling. And it's not what we think of necessarily. The aggressive style of communication is more about a high need for control and being absolutely tied to the outcome. So whenever I communicate with you, Hillary, I, I have to get my way. And I will, I don't have to yell and scream necessarily to do it, but I'm going to make sure I get my way because I'm tied to the outcome. There's no freedom in this relationship.
0: Right, Totally.
1: That's the aggressive style. And then the third, my personal favorite to work with, and the one that I have also struggled with, passive aggressive style. So it's that beautiful marriage of the passive style and the aggressive style. So we, we become manipulative, we become controlling, we have to get our way, but we're going to be really, really clever about it. And we're never going to come right out and express directly what it is that we want or what what it is that we need. We're just going to make sure it happens.
0: Mm, So everyone has to be thinking, which, which bucket which bucket fall And into- listen, it's probably all
1: three. Let's be honest, right? We can probably yeah. name times where we've fallen into all three, mm-hmm. but there's probably one that is your primary style when you are stressed, when you are under pressure, when you are whatever it is, right? That, that like, you're not at your best. You're not, you're not functioning in an optimized way. You're probably going to fall into one primary bucket. And what we want to do is actually move towards the assertive style of communication, which is the only way to build authentic intimacy in relationships, right? let's hear about Mm. assertive style. It's it's sexy, Hillary. It is sexy. Mm. So let me tell you about the assertive style of communication. (laughs) It is all, it's truly all about, you know, being number one. um, And this is where the mindset work, we need it because you've got to be comfortable enough in your own skin to identify and ask directly for what you want, whether you're going to get it or not. So I could say to you, Hillary, I would love to do a guest on your podcast, you know, once a month, would you have me as a guest? Like once every single month, right? So the assertive style of communication is I'm, I can ask, But I give you the freedom to say, you would probably say no to that request. You've got other guests you want to to interview, right? But you've got the freedom and the capacity to say, like, loved having you and would love, you know, maybe we'll do another episode, but I don't think I could have you on every single month. And that would not change the energy between us because I would have so much respect for you and for myself that I would be able to accept that. I've let go of the outcome. I've asked. You know what I like? I like
0: both sides of this equation. I like the fact that you're asking. So shoot for the moon. And if you don't get the moon, you're still going to end up at the stars. Love that. But then you're also on the flip side taking ownership for what you could do on the flip side when somebody's doing the same to you. I think this is so great. And it mm-hmm. is being assertive and it's saying, but it's also running through those scenarios that you get throughout your own life that understanding, well, what do I say? How can I handle certain ways that people approach me that you feel you're giving away your power? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Giving away our power actually has, it's not about the outcome. The outcome is not where our power lies, right? And in fact, when we're tied to the outcome, we've already given away our power. When we're tied to the outcome, we have already given away our power, right? So the power actually lies in doing the work before you even have that difficult conversation.
0: That is so true. And again, when you detach from the outcome, and you're not, like, you're You're accepting, like, however it's going to happen. You put out that goal. You know you want to do that. You know this is where you're going. But you're not tied to the how. How will this happen? How are we going to get there? That is, that's so great. And so by practicing this whole idea of assertive, kind of, you know, this assertive nature,
1: what has happened to your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a great question. So one of the biggest things that I notice is happens almost immediately as so we can see some practical symptoms decrease. They're sleeping better. They're less anxious. They're less tense. There's uh, less overwhelmed. There's less pressure almost immediately. Cause you're Nothing not ruminating. over. You're not like, ruminating. Oh,
0: what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to have a... you're mm-hmm. like, you're, you're giving it
1: up. You're like yes. releasing it. Yes, great. Yes. So that's almost immediate confidence goes up. So anxiety and confidence are correlated. The more anxious we feel, the less confident we feel. So mm. if we can reduce our anxiety, we can begin to increase our confidence. So I see confidence go up like almost immediately once women are able to just, you just have to execute on the skills and practice them. They're skills, They're emotional intelligence skills, right? It's not, um, I always say it's not rocket science. It's just, no one's taught us this and we certainly don't have any place to practice it. So that you talk about, you talk about the EQ code. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's my signature program. That's the Mm. incubator, the container. It's an immersive experience specifically for high performing women, because I do think that when you are an ambitious, high achieving, high performing woman, our struggles are a little bit different. We show up a little bit differently in the world. Our brain space is a little bit different. We communicate differently, right? So it's really about how do I stay in my feminine energy, and hold my space powerfully. And we can do I'll both. Never, I'll,
0: I'll never forget when my mom said, I worked at um, I worked at Oracle, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune even probably higher company for over 10 years. And during this time I came home and my mom was visiting. And I mean, I came in like a, you know, ah, I'm here. And my mom said, you know, Hillary, you're losing your femininity. Mm. Let's get that femininity back because mm. that's your strength.
1: Yeah, And for so many of us,
0: we think we have to turn into, you know, that, that masculine type of energy to be at that successful level. But the people that are truly at that highest level, the women are learning the secret, the secrets that you teach the secrets that we, you know, really have to embrace, which is harnessing your femininity, harnessing that, that, personal power. I, I think what you're doing is incredible and so needed. Cause I remember when my mom said that, I'm like, okay, that's great. But what, do, how do I do it? Like, what am it, I and supposed to do? It,
1: here? Right. How that's, it's always the how, like, it's like, great, but how, how, what does that totally. I still like? have to go
0: back to a male dominated office tomorrow. I still have to, you know, manage 20 yes. plus people. How am I going to do it? Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's that's the big question. And so I, you know, you're giving people the ability to, understand how to do that because when you learn that in the business world you can then take that into your personal
1: world. That's right. And it's it's they are correlated, right? Like how we show absolutely. up personally absolutely influences how we show up professionally, right? Like I can honestly say if I look at my own journey, you know, and like I show up so differently today than I did 10 years ago because of the work that I've, like my own work that I've done. Mm.
0: I would, I would say the same,
1: mm.
0: same, same for me. And that mm-hmm. is the, the reason that the relaunch effect came to being. And and I, just like you, I, I if once I learned it in business, I could apply it in my personal life. I could apply it in my relationships. It just, it, it works everywhere, but you've mm-hmm. got to get the foundation down. That's the key. All right. Well, as much as we could just keep going and going and going, it is time to wrap. And I always do my rapid fire questions and you have a podcast confessions of a therapist.
1: Confessions of and an ex therapist.
0: Of an ex, excuse ex- me. I love mm-hmm. that because you're no longer are, you're now doing the group. You're having these programs out there. So the confession side, Mm -hmm. you chose confession.
1: Why did you choose that word? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interestingly enough. So great question. You know, when I was going through all the, the muck, I call it the muck and it felt so mucky. Um, I used to have this ridiculous, now that I look back on it, what a ridiculous thought, but at the time it felt so real, right? Like I believed it. I had this crazy thought that, oh my God, Shamala, this is what I would say to myself. You are not only a psychotherapist, but you're licensed as a couple and family therapist. You're totally struggling at home, right? You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling as a mom. They are going to take away your license. Mm -hmm. And as I say that to myself out loud, I'm like, how ridiculous Mm -hmm. is that? How ridiculous is it that I didn't give myself permission to be human Mm -hmm. just because I had certain letters behind my name? Right. And so I remember going during this time, though, you know, I always felt very and I talk about this, I think, mm-hmm. in like the trailer episode of my podcast, deep down inside, I always knew that my life was meant to be lived out loud. Right. I my love li- when you said that. I, I listened to the trailer. I love that mm-hmm. you said it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it was a feeling like I wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way right. at the time, but I could just feel Feel it, and so during that time, I had. That's when the title came. It was so long ago, and I didn't know it was going to be a podcast. I thought it was going to be a book because I'm so academic, and I and I am working on a book. But I was going to say it will be a book. There's no doubt, right? It will. But, but you know, and who knows what the title of the book will be? But I remember I had this like feeling inside of me, that was like, I'm going to put out something in the world and it's going to be called, I thought it was going to be called confessions of a therapist. So, you know, the way life went, I built a psychotherapy clinic and I'm out, outside of clinical one-to-one practice. Now I still run my, my psychotherapy clinic, but my passion is to work intensively and immersively with women specifically on emotional intelligence. Mm. You know, that's, that's what I yeah. like, live and breathe. Hundred percent. So, that's where the title came from. And I wanted the podcast to be a space where not just myself, but also my guests could have an opportunity to live life out loud and to, to overcome shame, to overcome perfectionism and to really share openly.
0: That's why I love having you on because exactly giving people the space to say, you know what, life's not perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. hard. There's the bumps. It's really what makes life worth living is how you get through those. How do you get through all the different relaunches? Uh, so next question, mm-hmm. what would you say is your best self-care tip?
1: Oof. Um. Oh gosh, two things come to mind. So I, I am going to say both of them. One is I think we need to start, and I do, I practice these ones actually, start your day, start your day in a way that is nourishing to you. I don't care what that is. That could be lying in bed, quietly meditating for five minutes, but start your day in a way where you are lit. You're pouring into yourself. Mm, Which means do not pick up your phone and look at
0: email or look
1: at your text messages or look at anything
0: on social. (laughs)
1: And that, you know, and it, it looks differently for, for me, it's movement, right? I need to sweat. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I need to start my day with a good sweat. I'm just Mm -hmm. a better human being when that happens, but just pick your thing, right? Pick your thing and start your day that way. Mm, So
0: good. All right. So your background is very diverse and now you're in Canada.
1: What is your favorite food to eat? Oh my goodness favorite. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, but what comes to mind, my, my, my food that like, you know, my partner and I, and as a family where we go out to when we're doing something celebratory, like something big, it's sushi. We love sushi and we love trying all different types of sushi. And it's something I never thought I'd be, you know, into as a kid, like couldn't even imagine, but love sushi.
0: I adore sushi. Last night, we actually went out for Mexican food and growing up in LA, Mexican was like a big deal. We did that at least once a week. And so I am feeling it. My enchiladas and my taco with my sour cream. I'm like, whoa, that's why I asked the question. Cause I'm like, I wonder what it is. I wish I had had sushi last night, instead of Mexican food, but I did it. Okay. And let me ask this one. When you're sitting by a poolside. Do you have a favorite poolside beverage?
1: Hmm do I have a favorite poolside beverage? I'm going to say something super boring. And then I'll tell you the fun one is I love my favorite beverage is actually water. Believe it or not. I have love, you tried hint. Have you tried hint water? I have not. And Ooh. I need to, I need you to really do. I really I, do.
0: I interviewed the CEO of hint, did you now, And let me tell you, and I have become a huge fan. I've, I've had it over the years. But now I'm like trying every flavor and it's so good because it's not sugary. And, and yeah. I usually have one right now. In fact, I'm looking at them. I wish it were on my desk right now. I have them in my office lined
1: up. Uh-huh. So, yes. I don't know if it's in Canada. I'm going to have to look into that because I can't yeah, care Cara, my Cara American friends. Awesome. She, yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. You have Talk to you have try. water. I so got water. is your favorite. I get Wait, it. Water's my favorite. An ice cold, like with ice, yeah. like cold glass of water is probably what would be with me poolside. But my fun drink would be a pina colada.
0: Oh, that is fun. Mm -hmm. I always think about whenever I go to Hawaii, that's like, you know, you got to have a pina colada. You have have to to do
1: it. Okay, now, what is your favorite beauty product by name? love this question. So my favorite, like ride or die, a luxury mascara that I will spend the money on every single time is the Chanel Le Volume Mascara. It is my apt. I can't, I can't do the falsies. How long have you been using it? Oh
0: gosh. Years.
1: Okay. So your
0: lashes right now, you have this on. I have this on. Oh, it looks good. There we go. Obviously, obviously side profile. I don't (laughs) (laughs) because I'm showing her my lashes. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm actually using this really cool one called, I think it's blink and it's tubes. Oh, I've heard of this one. What I've got to tell you, I really love this product right now because when I take off my makeup at night, I put warm water on and it just comes off and I have no dark anything under my yes. Okay, but but you like the Chanel. And it is the, what was it
1: love called? Love volume. volume. Love volume. Love in, volume. In blackest black mascara. It is my ride or die. Love it.
0: Okay. And last but not least, how do you define
1: powerhouse of possibility? Hmm. Powerhouse of possibility. Wow. I was not expecting that question. So, how would I define that? I think for me, it's, really the ability, the willingness to consistently lean in to those areas of our lives. We all have them that we don't, like those places we don't want to go. Like we all have them. We all have them. Those areas we don't want to look at, the conversations we don't want to have, that person that totally irks us. I also think in those places are possibilities. No
0: doubt. So true. Well, Shamala, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us all of your insights. Wow. This was so good. I am going to go out there and be a little bit more assertive today. I like that. But thank you again for being here. Really appreciate your time. My
1: pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.